You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. I'm Pimp Cron, your host, and I will be joined by a bevy of different co-hosts over the many segments of our show. We aim to ignite the flame of hobby inside each and every one of you, like the burning of your loins. And we kind of hate on, uh, we, we kind of cater to casual and fluffs, and we kind of hate on uh, competitives, but you know what? Everybody is welcome here. So what do we have tonight? Well, in no particular order, we have um, real talk with the Pimpcron and just James about breaking the hobby slump. We also have a Tesseract mailbox featuring Cronette, my wife, and it's rewarding kids and it's uh, answering a fan letter, and he has some interesting ways to incentivize children to play wargaming. We also have a, well, here's an idea, several segments of this show that were proposed and just didn't quite make the cut, because a lot of people have mentioned about adding new segments to the show, and I figured I'd dig into the archives and uh, dig up some of our old segments that didn't quite make it. I think you'll enjoy it. Then we also have Want That or Want That Not with Just James. He joins me again to discuss a mystery product from 40K. And no, we're not talking about the mystery product they released recently. This is a product that none of you, I am certain, have heard of. And it is pretty hilarious. Um, and finally, we have a Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron, where we discuss the campaign mode of brutality and how exactly that works and why that is the very best mode of the game versus just one-off games. So I hope you enjoy all of this, and uh, other than that, I have no other announcements, so let's get straight to it so that you stop hearing me ramble. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Welcome to another edition of the Tesseract mailbox. I'm the Pimpcron, and this is my wife, Cronette, Mrs. Cron. I'll go with it. I never ever remember what you go by. Um, pretty much wife, but you call me random things. They're nice. All right, Jacob. So, Pimcron and Jacob today are going to read a listener mail, which is pretty interesting to me. I'm kind of scared because he refused to tell me what it is beforehand. <laughs> I just want your natural opinion of this, okay? Okay. Don't read it. Hey, Pimcron, like your show. I had an idea how to get kids playing Warhammer slash tabletop games. Now, this is a response to last episode where I had a uh, listener write in saying that um, he was wondering how he could get his... He had, I think, two sons, two young children, and he was trying to get them into it, but they're not super into it. You know, our children, they like painting and things, mm-hmm. but they don't really like playing that much. You've slowly, slowly absorbed them into your, your cult of um, Warhammer. Yeah, Scott... They don't play it so much, but... Cron Jr. will uh, will play AOS with me if it's small points, but he won't. You know, that, that's about the extent of it. So this is another... Um, uh, listener mail cons- um, concerning that topic. So uh, he has an idea how to get kids playing Warhammer and tabletop games. When you're playing, instead of using objective points that are on the board, how about replacing those with candy like Hershey Kisses or Reese Pieces? Mm. Reese Pieces. So every time their miniature gets to an objective, they're rewarded with a Hershey's Kiss or a type of candy of your choosing. Hmm. You could use money as well. <laughs> <laughs> For the older children. Yeah. Uh, kids are simpletons, and they like simple things. Basically, what I'm saying is you can treat your kids like Pavlov's experiment. Reward good behavior with treats, or reward <laughs> bad behavior with an ass whooping. 
So the winner gets candy. The, you the loser gets grounded. You didn't take the objective. And you start spanking him. How could you miss that? No better motivator to win with the consequence of a boot up one's ass or thrown into the dry- or thrown into the dryer. <laughs> You know, that's pretty funny, and, but... Uh, and tumbled around for an hour because they lost the match. <laughs> that's that's wrong. That's wrong. We cannot endorse that. Can't I, endorse that one. I know I'm sounding pretty ignorant right about now at the end, but hey, that's what makes life more interesting. Child abuse. <laughs> that is horrible. That is pretty terrible. You're not going to actually so. say the guy's name, are you? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So, well, uh, his, his name is, um, he said, very respectfully, Coast Crusader. So, uh, wh- what's your take on that? You know, throwing the kids in the dryer if they lose a Warhammer game? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a little harsh. Do you think so? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not one of those parents that really, uh, you know, it's all about beating the child to make them do what you want them to do a i think it's going to break your dryer like i really don't think any child of any that's able to play warhammer would be able to you know it's going to yeah. screw up your dryer yeah that's um, that's true it probably could cause some long-term psychological problems with the kid i could be wrong or, or mean, brain damage for that matter yeah then they're just going to lose the further future battles so you're kind of like you know that's, screwing yourself it's a self-perpetuating scenario they lose one battle and now they're losing all the battles because they forgot math, math. yeah yes yeah. that's basically math. it they forgot math yeah um, um, so clearly we are not condoning throwing children in a dumpster. I mean, a dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> well, also do not throw your children in a dumpster. <laughs> uh, we are not condoning throwing your ch- children in a dryer when they lose a Warhammer match. And clearly I'm sure Coast Crusader is not as well. It's a joke. Um, as well as beating your children when they fail a Warhammer game, but I actually don't mind the idea of the positive reinforcement suggestions with, uh, you know, like M&Ms or something. I think, honestly, a Hershey Kiss might be... A little much, uh, because, I mean, if you have, I don't know how many objectives you normally have per game, I'm sure it's more than, like, three or four, three right? To, three to five objectives, mm. and if you're scoring every turn on a five-turn game, they're going to end up eating a lot of candy. Yeah, so an M&M or, um, you know, even if you do the mini M&Ms, I don't even know if they have those anymore. I don't um, know either. But you could give them a couple mini M&Ms, and it makes them think, like, they got more than just one big M&M. It's true. I think a Hershey Kiss is a bit much. Yeah. But, um, but M&Ms or the Reese's Pieces. Mm-hmm. Or even just a candy bar that you kind of break it into smaller pieces. Because one candy bar, I think, is, like, 180 calories, where, like, one Hershey Kiss is, like, 60 or 80 calories. Um... Yeah, I mean... Whatever uh, works. Whatever the kid likes. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think about that, if we tried that with our kids? Um, I'm not a huge fan of candy anyway, <laughs> and that would mean that there would be a bag of candy somewhere in my house. Which would not survive very long Which would long not last house. very long. So, I think it's kind of pointless to have that as the objective. You'd have to go shopping prior to every single Warhammer game with the kids. Um, you know, there's also potentially a drawback, too, because if you have two of your children playing against each other then one of them is going to get benefits for winning. Like, mm-hmm. let's say um, you don't have to clean your room if you win. It's going to become a pretty heated battle, and that may be taken away from the point that you want to make that this game is fun, mm-hmm. and you should not care about winning so much as having a good time. And you also may take away from the whole, in, yeah, enjoy it versus win at all cost. You're, you're basically perpetuating yes. win at all cost regardless. Honestly, I kind of feel that way, yeah, with the... Um, and I also am not one of those parents where I feel like everybody should get a trophy, but if this is a game and it's supposed to be fun, 
then, you know, maybe they both get a little bit of candy and then whoever gets the objective gets a little more or something. Just just something very s- small. Yeah, there should be something at the end of the game regardless. So even if you lose, you should get something. Yeah. Um, it may be less than the other person or it may be based off of you used your, I don't know, knight, king, model, thingy, another with forearms really, really well. So here you go. You can use this. You did a great job with strategy in this area because I know strategy is a huge thing that you really encourage. So with our children, I know that they will get upset, specifically Kron Jr., if things don't go his way. Like if he messes up or he he notoriously rolls terribly. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't know what a number higher than one is when he's rolling a D6. So he will get upset because he tries to do something and then of course your your dice crap out on you. Mm -hmm. And he blames it on himself because his dice suck that day. And everybody gets frustrated when your dice suck. You just can't you can't do anything. It's like it's like you're trying to sword fight with a foam weapon. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. it's it's all floppy and you can't do anything. So uh one thing that you could do is instead of giving them points for winning or for scoring objectives, every time, which I feel is inevitable, every time that they start to get upset then they uh, get their self back together. You know, like mm-hmm. they take a deep breath, they stop getting upset, and they control themselves. Then maybe you reward them then. Yeah, well, I would say definitely, because you, you want to reinforce the good behavior and, and not reinforce the negative, so... Yep, so if you're not trying to breed little win-at-all-calls players um, and trying to breed, you know, um, friendliness and casual play and things like that, then maybe you want to just focus on not necessarily the winning and the objective capping, uh, that will come naturally because they want to win the game. But whenever they're a good sport or whenever they, um, you know, their their brother or sister or their opponent forgets something and then they go, oh, you can do it. Like, you know, no big deal. I'll yeah. let you go back and... Yeah, and... there's positive traits. Yes. Sometimes those... those, the little things are more important than just winning the game all together, in my opinion. But, you know, I'm not a Warhammer player. Yeah. But all in all, I just, uh, I thought this email was pretty funny. And it was at uh, pimpcron at gmail.com. You can also message us at facebook.com slash pimpcron. And we also have a phone number, and I never remember that one. It's not in front of me. It's on your site. It's like one one eight one, yeah, something like that. I don't yeah. know, but it's it's always in the show notes. Coast Cru- Crusader, take your kid out of the dryer. <laughs> Stop beating them. Get the boot out of their butt, as you say, and take them out of the dryer. Maybe give them a hug and show them what it's like to just give have them a fun. piece of candy. Just have fun with the game, not necessarily win. But I think he does have an interesting idea, though. Yeah. About trying to reward on their level, something that they would like, you know. Well, kids also tend to um, respond more quickly, I guess, to, auto, what's it called? Uh, immediate reinforcement or... Um, yeah, little rewards. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the name. There's an actual name of it, but um, anyway. I know what you're talking about. Instant um, gratification. There you go. So, do you have anything else to add to this? Uh, no, not really, other than we do not uh, condone child abuse. No. And we encourage everybody to look for ways to find the little things. The little things mean more. And clearly, we're not actually joking about child abuse. I don't think Coast Crusader was either. It was clearly meant to be humorous. So we're not, you know, child abuse is a real thing and it's serious. But uh, um, I've never heard of anybody putting their kid in the dryer. That is, the dryer's going to break. Yeah, it's. Have you ever had an un unbalanced uh, load in the washer or the dryer? Like you, like you washed and dried some boots or something, and uh, boom, boom, yeah, boom, a boom, kid. Boom. I mean, just the noise of your child tumbling around in there. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> You'd be horrible. It's not gonna you be. You are horrible. Not something you want to hear. So uh, anyway. All right. Well, thanks for being on, Cronet. Uh, you are very welcome. And thank you for writing in, Coast Crusader. 
Want that or want that not? In this newest edition of Want That or Want That Not, I am the Pimpcron, and you are the... Just James. Oh, he's Just James. There he is. All right. I didn't see you there. So this is Just James and Pimpcron, and today we are reviewing a non-GW item. Oh, shit. Yeah. We're getting serious. I saw this last night and laughed out loud, and I immediately showed my wife, who was really unimpressed. But I was thinking to myself, good God, they will literally market their, uh, or no, um, lease out their, what's it called? You know, where they let other companies use their brand? License. 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 Yeah. They will literally license Warhammer 40k out to fucking anything. Okay? And, no, it wasn't marital aids. I kind of phrased that wrong. (laughs) (laughs) um, So, it was an ad on Facebook, and it did not look legitimate. But it was a real thing, because it was a real picture of a real thing. It was a Warhammer 40k themed ant farm. (laughs) (laughs) So... uh, (laughs) I was thinking to myself, good God, why? That can't be real. Well, I mean, it was a picture of a real thing. So I know at least one of these exists. But the, the weird thing was when I clicked the link... It's like, shop now. Here, get this ant farm. So I wanted to see if they had better pictures of it. And I clicked on it, and it took me to some site that was not the site they said the URL, URL was for. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this must be one of those Facebook ad things that is fake. But I've also tried to Google 40K Warhammer ant farm, and it does not come up. But it had real pictures of a real thing. It was not computer rendered. It was a real thing. And basically, I don't know much about ant farms. But they had a little box, uh, like, everything might have been 3D printed, I'm not certain. Uh But they had, like, a little box that had a a skull and the Aquila on it, and it had, like, a little lid. So I don't know if that's where, maybe they sleep in there. You couldn't look in it. You, um, maybe they sleep in there, or, or maybe that's where you put food in. And then it had clear tubes, and, like, rubber tubes and fittings, that came out, and two of them branched off, like, picture, like, a stick figure, Right. And the that that solid box you couldn't see in with the lid, that was the head of it. And it, the tube travels down a little bit and t- splits off into two, basically, arms. And those tubes lead nowhere. They're just straight tubes, like, six or eight inches long, and they come back. And they're clear. Huh. And then it comes down, like, another six inches, and then, like, what you'd say is, like, kind of the torso. It was this long, like, three-inch by eight-inch clear thing. And it had uh, three little buildings... Uh, like little city buildings that almost look like uh, epic uh, terrain. And then I guess ants need water. I mean, they're a living thing, so I guess they drink water. Um, I guess. I, I don't know. Okay, well. I'm not an entomologist. <laughs> an ant- <laughs> oh. So, you know that statue, that six-inch statue, terrain statue of a space marine holding his sword? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they had a miniature version of that. That was like maybe two inches tall and connected to it was like a little pool, like a little reservoir that I'm assuming you'd put water in. (laughs) And it was just the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, number one, I don't really get the point of ant farms anyway. I mean, I could see the real thin ones where you can, you know, see them tunnel through the dirt and all that. I can kind of see that because you can see how they colonize. 
but this one was just tubes from to crawl around in and they had like a i'll say a play area <laughs> which was those three little buildings and the statue and the and the you know they were like gothic looking buildings huh but uh i'm thinking who has an ant farm in this day and age maybe children oh there's there's uh videos on youtube that i've seen where they've they got like a whole box with tubes and stuff of just ant farms of like ants just crawling around it adults yeah oh this guy made like uh it was like a almost a a, uh aquarium thing but it was like the top half was like branches and rocks and then the rest of it was uh water with fish in it and uh and and he put the ants uh tube of ants in there to see if they would go in and some of them like fell into the water and the fish were eating them and the other ones went on into the rocks and stone um so yeah there are people that out that are out there you know there's people with spiders and all this stuff and yeah i was aware of like lizards spiders snakes all that but ants i had never i mean i haven't even thought about an ant farm since i wanted one when i was a kid and i never got one because god knows my mom would not let me have a container <laughs> of ants in the yeah. house you want ants? That's how you mm-hmm. get ants. Yeah. Is you buy them, put them in a farm, and they get out. That's yep. how you get ants. So, I just thought that was ridiculous. And I was thinking to myself, you know, Warhammer's already such kind of like a niche hobby. You know, it's not as big as Magic or whatever. And not as big as a lot of video games. And so, Warhammer's already a niche hobby. And God knows ant farm hobbyists <laughs> are a really small demographic. <laughs> So I guess, you know, the best of both worlds, you blend ant farm enthusiasts. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I thought it was, thought it was freaking hilarious. So I very seriously doubt that it was officially licensed because. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they slap their name on pretty much anything, but. They will. Did you see the uh, spandex? No. There's. um Oh, I think I did, yeah. Blood Angels, Ultramarines, and Chaos, I think is what they have. And they look like Space Marine Greaves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now that, I think, is officially licensed. I think that's a real thing. But, um... That's funny. Yep. So anyway, is that a want that or want that not for you? I'm gonna go with want that not. Oh, man. This is a toughie for me. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I don't want that. Alright, thanks. Bye. Now, here's an idea. I now present to you a couple different segments that ended up on the cutting room floor when we were trying out for segments of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. Hey, boys and girls, you know what time it is. It's time for Pimpcron Reviews Crackers. All right. So today we have some Wheat Thins Originals. I'm going to take a bite here. Let me see. Um, Oh, man, these look good. Uh huh. Uh huh. Nice crunchy texture. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm. Nice and dry. Have some light salt on them. Mmm. Um. Better eat several more. Let me just. And as all of you know, this is the segment of the show where we guess what Pokemon card I'm reading. So, it is an electric type. It has 100 hit points. I'm looking currently at a stage 1. And it has a dive ability for 1 water and 1 colorless energy for 40 damage. 
And when you flip a coin, if heads, boy, I can't wait to record this segment. So this is the Pimpcron, and this is the segment of the show where we read the ingredients of food. Today I have a package of Pez with me. Now let's read the ingredients. Sugar, corn syrup, edipic acid, hydrogenated palm kernel and palm oil, mono and diglyceride. Welcome back to the segment of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast where we review all of the filmography of the character Elmo from Sesame Street. In my hand tonight, I have Elmo Palooza on VHS. It happened to be the 30th anniversary of Sesame Street, and it's starring David Allen Greer and Jon Stewart. Can you imagine that? That's so exciting. I'm looking for a uh, date on here. 1998. Copyright Children's Television Welcome back to the Hangman segment of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast. Now, currently, if you're just tuning in, um, we've been covering this Hangman game for quite some time, and we are now at five letters. People have written in and guessed their letters, so we already have an S, and we have two Ts. So there's five letters. The first letter is S. The last two are T and T. We have two less. You have already guessed F-H-I-Z. Oh, I'm so excited to continue our coverage of volcanoes. Yes, this is the volcano segment of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast, where we discuss various topics involving volcanoes and volcanology. So, deep beneath the Earth's surface, it is hot. Hot enough to melt rock. When rock melts, it becomes a thick liquid called magma. Sometimes it puddles together in a magma chamber. Sometimes it finds cracks to travel through. If magma travels through a crack to the surface, the place it comes out is called a vent. Neat. Here's a word blast for you all. Magma is thick. Welcome to the new segment of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast, where I smell and review essential oils. Today with me, I have a Deuterra lemon citrus oil. And I'm going to open up this cap right here. Let's smell this. And whoo! Okay, that's like smelling a lemon's taint right there. That is, that is, let me do it again. Oh, good God. That is, this oil is pretty essential. It's, uh, well, it smells like lemon. It was, um, it was marked citrus lemon. So I guess, and we're back. So this is the segment of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast where we go through my old photo albums and I talk to you about exactly uh what was going on so let me uh let me open this up right here and um oh <laughs> so there's a picture of my grandfather it's christmas and uh and i was uh i was probably five or six there and uh at the time i'm sitting in his lap and then he's laughing real hard welcome to the portion of the episode of the pimp crown warhammer podcast where we review money and let's see what this one looks like we got a Okay, we got a $5 bill here. Um, it says Series 2009, so it's a bit old. It's showing some wear and tear. And um, see, we've got we've got a bit of wear. This has been folded in half quite a bit. Uh, there's a small stain on the far right-hand corner. And in the middle here, right where it's been folded, there's a, there's a slight nick in it. So that's going to depreciate the value of this $5 bill. I would rank the value of this dollar, if you were selling it on the secondary market, this, this $5 bill, would be... Mm, Somewhere, somewhere upwards of probably four ninety nine. Uh, I think probably uh, five dollars and one cent might be a little high. So we'll just we'll just do the middle we'll we'll just do the middle uh segment here, and we'll we'll say I would value this at roughly five dollars. 
Welcome back to the Pimpron Warhammer podcast, and this is the segment of the show where we read the entire series of Junie B. Jones by Barbara Park. And uh, there's many books in this series. It's by Scholastic, and this is a children's book. So if you guys have been keeping up, uh, we are on page 25, and we will start at the top of the page. Hi, Gracie. Those new shoes look very beautiful on you, I said. But that dumb Gracie didn't even say thank you to me. Gracie is angry at you, said Lucille. She said that she rode the bus today, and you weren't even there to save her a seat. <gasps> wow, this is getting good, guys. And she had to sit... Hello again to the portion of the Pimcron Warhammer podcast, where we discuss the life cycle of different animals. Today we're covering the pork tapeworm. So step one, from the pig, a pig eats something with tapeworm eggs in it. The eggs hatch in the pig's intestine. The worms travel to the pig's muscles and possibly the brain and liver. The adult worms lay eggs in the pig's intestines, and the pig produces manure, which contains tapeworm eggs. Then you eat the pork that has not been well cooked, and... Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimpcron. It's that time again for Real Talk with the Pimpcron. I, as always, am Just James. Shit, no. I'm Pimpcron. I'm Just James. You're Just James. I'm the Just James now. Okay. <laughs> as long as you're in this room, you're Just James. But when you leave, I can't guarantee that I won't be Just James. I'll kill you. <laughs> well, there can only be one. Just kidding. Yeah, just kidding, just James. So our topic today is trying to kill the hobby slump. So that means, um, you know, everybody waxes and wanes as far as whether you're into the game or you're not or you're whatever. And uh, I think it's kind of natural. I mean, it hits us all the time at, at some point, you know. I Yeah, it recently hit me uh, like a month ago. Uh, as far as uh, playing the game 40k, you know, it's like a chore to me. And some, you know, like especially like in my in our busy season, uh, sometimes I'm like, dude, I don't feel like going to Warhammer. <laughs> like yeah. I just, I just don't. And you know, it's not that you don't like the game necessarily, but like life tires you, and you're tired from work, and you're whatever, and I don't know. And then you go there and some you don't want to play against certain people because you don't want to have that kind of game. Uh, yeah, some people in our group are a bit more competitive, and you don't always feel like a competitive game. You've been working a lot, you're tired, you just want a fun, relaxing game. You don't want... Yeah, so we've got some people in that group that always ask, you know, what tournament rules are we using and, and things like that. And we're not using tournament rules, bitch. This ain't yeah. a tournament. Ain't no tournament, I'll tell you what. Yeah, so... I personally always feel guilty when I don't want to paint, don't want to assemble, don't want to play Warhammer because I feel like I've sunk so much money and time into this hobby. I kind of start worrying if I'm getting out of it for good. Yeah. You know, do you ever feel that way? Yeah, that that's the when I said it recently, I was like I could just get rid of all this stuff. I don't really need it. I'm, I'm done with this, but but then I'm also on the other side like no I'll keep it. I'll eventually get back into it. And two weeks later, you're back into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Shorehammer. Yeah. Oh, is that what got you? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I played like five games. Uh, they're, they were all pretty much different. Uh, one of them was Age of Sigmar, but it's still um, different. Uh, the other games were 40K, but they were all different styles of uh, gameplay. Different missions. Yeah, and different missions. Uh, one was on a Zone Mortalis 
board. Oh, I saw you playing that one, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty fun. That was four player? Uh, there's five people. Five. Yeah. Was it one on one on one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that got me out, out of the, uh, slump. And then also, uh, I've been, uh, playing Tackle Objectives, which I haven't played that in a while. Uh, mostly everybody just wants to do kill or, you know, put objectives down in the middle of the board. And that gets, you know, after a while, it gets a little boring to play that over and over again. Yeah. So you do, changing it up with tactical objectives um, has been fun. Um, so, yeah, now I'm I'm back into it. And I've also got, um, getting new models also helps you, too. Yeah. Because you want to use them. So you're like, yeah, I got new models, so I'm going to get back and play it again. So, uh, I don't really know what I do to get back into the the feeling of playing. I think I think what I would do is if I at least have a little bit of umph to paint something, because you know I don't usually play unpainted models just just because I don't. I like them to look good on the table, so I want them to be mostly painted. Uh-huh. So as soon as I get the interest to paint a model and I paint it or a unit or whatever, as soon as that's painted, one hundred percent of the time my next game will be with that army. Because I want to play with that painted new unit. Yeah. You know? Um, but not always buying... I have this weird thing that that you already know about. That I will buy stuff and then immediately lose interest in it. <laughs> so, like, I, I had uh, like nearly anything. Like, I bought the Necron Codex. What, back in March? And it was like a month ago that I was like, Oh, I want to start playing Necron suddenly. I don't know why. Yeah, that's kind of rubbing off on me. Because I... You know, I got a uh, two boxes of scourges for Dark Eldar, and I turn around and look, and I'm like, "Why did I buy this? <laughs> I already have two units." Uh, but then I look down, and like, "Why did I get this?" And they're still sitting in their box. Usually, when I get the box, I'm at home, I'm opening it up, and I'm putting it together, and I just, I just look down, and like, "Why did I get this? I don't, I don't know." Don't don't let that happen to you. You're better <laughs> than that, James. Okay. Um, me and Bliggity Blam Steve are famous for that. Now, Steve, of course, you know as well as I do. Steve is a hundred times worse than me. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He doesn't even he doesn't even play the game pretty much. Yeah, he, and he still buys stuff. He still buys, I think, every release. Yeah, like like every single release, every single book. And I'm like, you don't even play the game anymore. But anyway, I'm, I'm getting off topic. But yeah. Steve and I both have. I have a small shelf of shame, of things that I have bought. And they're still in the box. Never, never clipped them off the sprue. Never assembled them. Never nothing. Because I told you, I lose interest yeah. for some reason. And now Steve has literally two full rooms in his house of, <laughs> of just stuff that he has never assembled, painted anything. I think he clearly wants to be a sore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except he, except he refused to sell it. That's the problem. Um, and that's I have found in my maybe, life, maybe a museum. I guess a museum would be better. I have found in my life um, one of the worst business practices you can do as a store is to buy things and don't sell it. That Yeah. That's actually a really bad strategy. You should write a book on that. <laughs> buy things and then sell them for profit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what gets you in the mood to paint a model? Um, I haven't painted too much uh, lately. I... My... Uh, sometimes I'll just look at a model um, that's already painted or it's just primed, and I'll go, I want to just add a little something to that. 
And so I'll add something to that, and then I'll get the... Um, the ball rolling? Yeah, I'll get the ball rolling, and then I'll go, oh, I'll do this, and then I'll do this, uh-huh. and I'll do this, and I'm spin. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite part of the hobby as far between playing, uh, assembling, or painting? Um, well, obviously I like playing more than the other two. Uh, Same here. And I... I do like assembling uh, more than painting, uh, just by a bit. But sometimes assembling can be a, a bitch because, you know, the arm doesn't want to sit right uh, the way they, they uh, model the model. Um, mm-hmm. is, uh, they miniature the miniature? They, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> they, it, uh, you know, the... The arm, like I said, the arm doesn't fit right, or you know, they got the gun, uh, the hand on the gun. Oh yeah, and you got to size up the arm to, to that. The or... two arms holding a rifle. Yeah. Oh god, like Necron warriors. Yeah. Bitch. Or they got little tiny pieces that got to fit here, and uh, that that I don't like. But uh, you know, just them together, is, uh, pretty good. And being, um, is is all right you know uh coming up with ideas on what you want to do and do you want to paint it like everybody else or do you want to paint it the way you want to do it mm-hmm. and trying to figure out a color scheme um is uh fun um for some reason i hate assembly i hate it i hate it with a passion i find it incredibly boring to assemble models um so painting i mean playing number one is by far for me anything i do in this hobby is to enhance my playing. If mm-hmm. I assemble something, it's only so I can play with it. If I paint it, it's only so it can look better on the battlefield, you know. But there's a lot of people not like that. You know, like Steve loves to just collect and um Orc Dave just likes to paint. Yeah. And you know, so it's like Loremaster Alex just likes to read the lore and and stuff like that. I mean, he does play, but he doesn't play that much, you know. Right. So, it's interesting how everyone has their favorite thing, but you and I are pretty much on the same page as far as Plane is number one. Yes. Um, so normally, like you said, buying a new model um, does get you excited, unless you're me, and then you, it'll get you excited in about half a year. <laughs> and but painting a model, like you said, I'll. What I like about having so many different armies, and I'm talking to the wrong person because you're one of the few people I know that actually has more armies than I do. <laughs> um, but having so many different armies i don't get bored like if i only had one army i would go a long time without painting or assembling because i would get sick of painting space marines get sick of painting necrons or whatever yeah but what gets me into it is um is that i have so many different armies so i'll pick a unit that uh, like just recently i got into necrons again because um I hadn't played them in a long time because they were way too overpowered in previous editions, which turns me off of an army if it's too powerful. And now Necrons are kind of like middle to meh, you know, scale on the on the power creep. So now I'm suddenly like, oh, I want to play Necrons again. So I had a, uh, a unit of Lich Guard, a 10-man unit, and five of them were painted and the other five were primed. And it had been irking me for literally two years. And I was like, damn it, I have not painted these other five to make the full unit of 10. Uh-huh. So I finally got those other five painted and I feel so much better about that. And that started getting me more interested in playing, you know, Necrons. And then I painted uh, some destroyers because they had been primed, not painted, 
well, then I'm painting those. So in one week, uh, I got excited and I kit bashed two Annihilation barges, painted one fully and half painted the other and painted five more Lich Guard and um, put uh, the Blood for the Blood God on 20 flayed ones and painted uh, five destroyers in one week. Like I was like, ah, and I just went at it. So, um, do you find yourself doing that? Like I, I will paint like every single night for two weeks and then not touch it for three months. Uh, yeah, I, I'll yeah, just uh, slap a little paint on something and let it go. How long do you go in between painting? In between spurts of painting? It's a couple, like a month or so, I would say. Um, I, I slapped something onto a Wraith Knight, uh, uh, but other than that, I can't tell you what, I, what else I painted. Oh, before that? Yeah. Wow. So, I really think that, you know, we all, like I said, I feel guilty for the hobby slump, because I've, I'm so into this, and I'm really afraid I'm gonna get out of it, you know, whenever I don't feel like playing, I'm like, well, shit, I better play, because I don't want to lose interest, because I'm so invested in this. And um, like like we'd already discussed, it never really pans out that way, or it hasn't yet, where you fully lose interest in the game. Not yet. Um, who's to say if it will or not? But um, I don't really think, in all in all honesty, that we should feel bad for getting burned out from something. Because it's like anything. Um, I've said it before, you know, if you do anything too much, you're going to get sick of it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, pick your favorite food and then eat it breakfast, lunch, and dinner for a week. Yeah. You're going to get sick of it. Yeah. I can only eat so much cheesecake. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and so it's the same thing with Warhammer. You know, if you've been playing it a lot or whatever, or like you yeah, said. Yeah, because we, we play much once a week. Sometimes we'll play twice. Yeah, and sometimes in our slow time, we'll, you and I will play yeah. a total of three times a week or something, including the game night. Yeah. So, but... uh. Uh, what was I going to say? So, I don't think it's... Especially, like you said, you get into a rut with your games. Oh, it's kill points. Oh, it's three objectives. Oh, it's kill points. Oh, it's three objectives. And you get... You're like, well, shit, this is the same thing. It might be different armies, different opponent, all that, but it's basically the same game. Yeah. So, um, that's why I like uh, switching it up. I still have the old uh, Battle Missions book from 5th edition, 40K. Uh-huh. And most of the missions are still applicable. I mean, some things you got to tweak because it's far, far away from this as far as mechanics. But um, that that mixes up the game pretty well. Or like you said, tactical objectives mixes up pretty well. Um, I'll also take this moment to uh, shamelessly pl plug my uh, Pimpcron's War Planner. Uh, the uh, monthly uh, missions that they get, my Patreon patrons get. And uh, where it basically, you know, changes up deployment. All of my missions, though, are generic for any 28 millimeter fantasy or 40k. Oh, futuristic. Oh, hint, hint. Nod, nod. Wink, wink. Nope, nope. Just, just for any of them. Just for any of them. And uh, any space battles between some kind of elf. Yeah. Some yeah. like orcish, greenish thing. Sort of or like fish people. Yeah, fish people. Yeah, stuff like that. Overly zealous humans. Whatever. And, uh, never heard of it, but, but what, uh, what mine are specifically is there's always like a theme like, Oh, you're 
desperately trying to hold out for X amount of turns while your airdrop comes in or, or whatever. There's always like a narrative reason for it. Um, some of the battle missions are like that. Other ones kind of aren't in that old book. Uh huh. Um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've ever come out with another book like that. Like a lot of their supplements. Um, there was, uh, Altar of War. It was in seventh edition. I think it had a bunch of missions. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah. I think that's what it was. Huh. Uh, but that, I think that just combined all the missions from the different, uh, uh, books, um, the codexes and supplements. Yeah, the supplements okay. had. Yeah. So, um, so if we could real quickly list off the things that we think will help somebody get out of the hobby funk. So you you start with listing one off. Uh, switching up the game system. Okay. So missions or supplements. Mi- yeah, missions. Yeah. Tactical objectives, whatever. Yeah, that thing. I would say find a model that you have not painted or a unit that gets you excited to paint it and then paint that unit. Because I know for me, that makes me want to play with it then. If I'm having a playing slump, you know? Uh, yeah. Also, if you're, if you're painting this one type of army, uh, and you're getting a bit tired of it, you know, switch over to a different one. True. Um, what else? You could always buy a new model. Buy, yeah, buy a new model. Yeah. Um, what about coming up with a different type of list for your army? If you always play this uh, Grey Knights, I always play my Grey Knights a certain way, somebody might say. <laughs> and, hey, how about you don't? I mean, obviously, if you only have those models, whatever. But there's other ways to play your army. You don't always have to take Paladins every single game. You could take the, what are the other people called? The Like with the Power Swords? The, the Purifiers, the Strike Squad, the uh, yeah Purigation Squad. Yeah, so I mean, there's there's several different ways, and the good thing is, in this edition of 40k, I feel like this is the most versatile. You can take every army has several different ways to play, and with varying outcomes. Right. Yeah. But pretty much all of them are kind of useful and, and effective in some way. Um, I could I could take a, a scuttling horde for Tyranids, or I could bring a bunch of monsters, or I could bring a bunch of psychic, or whatever. You know, just just mix up your army list. Um, any other thoughts as far as uh, um, you could also go somewhere and play. Take a bro trip like we do sometimes. Yeah, and do go, that. Go across the bay or do you know, whatever. Uh, we haven't really said anything about uh, if assembling. You know, getting tired of assembling or something like that. I just hate assembly. So. <laughs> um, if you don't want to assemble your stuff, hire Loremaster Alex to assemble your stuff. That's what you do. <laughs> uh, I, I would say for that, I guess, uh, choose something else. Uh, a, a different model to assemble. Some models are a bitch. Like a drop pod. Yeah. Oh, man. Or a monolith. Necron monolith is a bitch. Um. um one thing I've learned as far as um, getting out of the, the painting slump is that I've realized that a lot of people, they take on too much. They're like, oh, I got 20 Eldar Guardians and I'm going to paint every one of them. And then they get frustrated because they've painted three of them and they, they see this pile of 17 other models sitting there. And what I always do, because I want instant gratification, I want to have things squared away and I want to be able to use what I paint. 
So if, let's say, that um, my squad comes a minimum of five people in a unit, I might have 20 Guardians, but I'm only going to start setting up, like, I'll assemble, prime, and paint five of them. Because then I would know that, hey, I can play with these five. I'm not going to batch paint four of them or three of them or whatever, or seven. I'm going to do five because I know I can take five. And then when I get that sense of accomplishment, also I batch paint. So I'll do all of one color on all five models. You know, you get in that mode like, yeah. oh, I'm going to paint their base color or whatever, gold trim or whatever. Uh, do you do that too? Uh, yeah, I do that sometimes. So instead of getting in the slump of, oh, shit, I got, I've painted three of these completely. I got 17 more piling up behind me. I would much rather do them in groups of five, useful groups. Like I said, not three or seven, but useful groups of five. And then like those five Lich Guard that I had painted for years and not the other five. Well, I could play with those five Lich Guard. Because it was a group of five. Yep. You know? So uh, that keeps me out of the painting slump most of the time. Uh, also, uh, with if you have a models that have like a lot of detail to it, like uh, I bought the Rubik Marines for Thousand Suns. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, I put them all blue, and then they have all that gold all over them. Uh, I got... I had ten of them, and I got tired of... Uh, each trying to go in one sitting and do the gold so what i did was just did one a day just a gold trim uh one day next day do that again oh um yeah so that's how i got over that that's kind of like the idea behind that facebook group uh one hour a night where they do they just paint for one hour a night whatever it is you don't have to complete what you're doing just paint one hour and that you know to keep people out of the hobby slump get them progressing you know yeah another thing is make time for the hobby like you know we're all busy we always have stuff to do we got chores bills to pay blah 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 work but then people are like oh i don't have time to paint no fuck you you do have time to paint you choose not because i don't know anybody personally that works 150 hours a week and sleeps four hours a night and has quote-unquote no time most of the time by and large people that say they don't have time means that their priority is not painting models, which is fine. That's perfectly acceptable. But when people are like, oh, I don't have time. No, you do have time. You had enough time to watch TV, watch Netflix or YouTube, or, you know, go to hang out or any of the other things that you did. You had time for that. Yep. So um, when people say, but once again, it's perfectly fine. If you don't feel like painting models is a priority, then just say that. But don't claim you don't have time because every time I roll my eyes. Because yeah. you at least slap a little bit of paint onto one model. Yes. Do something. Yeah. You know? Because you, we both know people and everybody knows those people that have never painted their armies ever. And they claim, oh, I don't have time. Yeah. Bullshit. You have had time in the last five years yeah. to paint a model. But it's fine. If they don't want to paint their models, that's fine. But just be honest about that. Um... So also my last point that I can make is that when I change up my list, so painting a model can get me out of the playing slump because I paint the model I want to play it so that it gets me excited for playing. But making a new type of list, like I was saying earlier, can get me out of the painting slump because I really wanted to um, play Lich Guard and I wanted them to be painted so then I finished my five Lich Guard to be painted so that I can play my Lich Guard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, it gets you out of it. So it can work both ways. 
you make a new list you haven't tried before, and then that gets you excited. You use that enthusiasm to paint the models, or you paint new models, use that enthusiasm to play the game. It kind of, you know, snake eating its tail kind of thing. Yep. Do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I think that's it. Okay. Well, that was Real Talk with the Pimpcron and Just James. Thank you for tuning in and let us know through pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com slash pimpcron. If you have any uh, suggestions as far as how you stay out of the hobby slump or break out of it. Let's get brutal. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron, where we discuss my free rules, use your own models, 28mm skirmish war game called Brutality Skirmish War Game. And it has RPG light elements, and uh, you create your own characters and their stats and everything using our system. The reason why I want to discuss the campaign mode is that we have started up our season two of our campaign mode online. We also had a store campaign going on last spring uh, with a bunch of people, and we had an online campaign as well. Well, we have just started a season two of our online campaign with a couple new faces, and it is very exciting. The reason why I really think the campaign mode shines as far as um, what brutality has to offer is that you're, let's start off by saying that it is pick up and play. So you don't have to start from the very beginning. You always play by points. So the better the characters get with their stats and their abilities and things like that, the more expensive they are. So a new player would be able to hop right into a campaign that was already existing and he's not really at a detriment. Of course, his his models will be worse than everyone else's if they choose not to just have him start roughly at their same level. Um, but he will get more activations and more models on the field. So you may have, you know, three or four really experienced people to his six unexperienced people. But the number of activations in a turn is a huge deal. And the number of people you have is a huge deal because of mobility and board coverage and things like that. Um, and also your injuries, like if you get a leg wound or an injury or head wound or something like that, any stat modifier that's negative from combat that carries over to your next game and the next game and the next game. So your people are slowly being worn down, which I think is very interesting. And the only way to cure that is the next segment that I'm, uh, coming up to, which is in between each mission, um, you decide which realm that you were playing your battle in, and then after the um, the battle takes place, you both can either sit at your home base and heal, which will heal all of the negative stat modifiers from all of the people on your list. Your entire warband can just rest. Or, if you choose to keep your negative stat modifiers, then what you do instead is you can explore the region, and you roll on the exploration table after you choose a leader to be leading the expedition, and you can find everything from new warband members to items to um, just situational things like you can set a trap for your next battle so that your opponent has you know penalties or whatever. And um, each region in the supplements, the uh, both of our realm books that we have out now, which would be the Wastes and the Psychotropics, each one of them have uh, four or five different regions each in them with different artifacts and exploration charts and realm uh, effects and things like that. And um, it's very interesting because each uh, model can hold one item. And some of the items are, you know, one use only, like healing potions and things like that. And some of them are like super, super deadly weapons, depending on how well you roll on the chart. 
Another interesting facet of this is oftentimes, not always because merchants aren't in every region, but oftentimes most of these um, exploration charts, if you roll a 10, you can either choose the result you want on the table or you can find a merchant. So what the merchant does, the merchant is in the basic rule books under the campaign, the merchant could be literally, you know, a dude in the shadows with, you know, uh, opening his trench coat and saying he's got wares for you to buy. It could be an Amagroid Thermiturge pulling a cart. But no matter how you meet a merchant, you can trade the items that you already have for new items that he has if you are not interested in the items that you have found. Another interesting thing is that every time that your characters die, they gain an insanity point. And if they reach three insanity points, um, their wounds and the things they've seen in this realm are really, really uh, wearing on their psyche. And they have to start taking a willpower check before each mission that you send them out on. If they fail their willpower check, they will end up uh, removing their insanity points from themselves, but they have to roll on the insanity chart. And that will change the way that your character has to behave. So they could become a coward. You could have like a melee person that you've kitted out, you know, um, for all melee and to be great at melee. And suddenly they become a coward and they have to run away whenever the enemy gets so close to them. Or you could have a support character, which you generally want to stay away from melee. And all of a sudden they have rage where they declare, you know what? I have died and I will never, ever be the victim again. And I'm going to, you know, charge out and... Uh, cause the fights myself and kill them before I get killed. Um, there's also um, things that can happen such as they lose their mind literally and they become a husk of a person, meaning that they can't pray at altars anymore because they've kind of lost their soul. Ishtar does not um, acknowledge their energy anymore for prayer, which is a big deal because they can't score objective points. So, you know, you might have a fast person that's an objective uh, capturer and suddenly he can't pray which is a big deal. Um, another, there's a couple other options on the chart, but the one chart option that's the worst and the only real way to lose a character in this game is when they go insane and wander off. And at that point, they're removed from your warband roster and they become a wandering monster if you ever um, play in a realm that has wandering monsters that come on. And basically, they kind of recognize your warband, but they're so crazy and confused that they'll attack anybody nearby. And they're just this, you know, crazy madman, which is pretty interesting because, you know, your your party will know who that person is and suddenly they're a threat to all of them, which is pretty awesome. So there's a very narrative aspect to this entire game and the campaign really highlights that. So thank you for listening to the episode 23 of the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast and thank you for listening to my brutality segment. And that is it for tonight. So we will see you next Monday, as always. And thanks again for listening.